you have your Bibles tonight, for just a, a few moments, we're going to uh, set the stage here, so to speak, set, uh, get us ready to go into the ordinance uh, of the Lord's Supper. And it's a text that um, uh, you probably will not hear uh, referred to uh, when it pertains to the Lord's Supper, but I think there's a word in there for us. And so you're going to find yourself in the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, and you're going to be going to chapter number two. We're going to be looking just two verses tonight. Hebrews chapter two, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 15. Now, if you had to put a title on this message, it would be a friendly reminder. Don't you like it when you get those uh, text messages? It's just a friendly reminder and they'll tell you about your appointment that you've already forgotten about. And, uh, or uh, they'll send you uh, uh, maybe, and, and probably none of you have done this, but you've forgotten to pay a bill and, and they give you a friendly reminder. What they're actually saying is, Pay your stinking bill. You know, that's what they're saying. But uh, here, uh, it's maybe that's not a good title, a friendly reminder, because when we come uh, to get ready to observe this ordinance, uh, what we have here at the table uh, represents and should cause to remembrance the suffering that our Lord took in your place, in my place, so that we could go free. And so when we think about this, it's probably not a friendly reminder. It's just a reminder because what happened there at Calvary was not friendly at all. What took place at Calvary was not a pretty picture. Matter of fact, uh, I, I was just thinking about this. And, and um, sometimes we've gotten so, uh, so callous towards the cruelty of the cross I mean, and I have one around my neck. We, we make jewelry, you know, with a cross. But the, it's always, uh, uh, you know, gold and it's, you know, pretty. And, and we think about uh, uh, the cross and you'll see it on, on bumper stickers. And we see it in all kinds of places. And, uh, but sometimes we, it's like one of those words that you just use, but yet you really don't understand the full meaning of the word because you use it so often cross. We've all heard about the cross. We, we understand what took place at the cross and, and we, we hear it, but do you understand? And sometimes we need to be reminded of the cruelty of the cross. It was brutal. It was nasty. It would be like in our day, uh, and I don't I don't think they do lethal injections now here in the state, but uh, not too many years ago, uh, we used the electric chair here. It'd be like wearing an electric chair around your neck. The, the, the cross was not meant for glory, even though it turned into that. Because when we look at the cross today, we see the glory of God, right? But that was not the intent of the cross, the intent of the cross was that they didn't get and they didn't polish it up and uh, they didn't make it uh, look presentable and, and, and made sure the aesthetics of it. Like it was a cruel, rugged cross that our Jesus hung for your sin and for my sin. And so with that, 
I want us to look here at verses 14 through 15. Two things. We're going to see the deity of Christ and we're going to see the deliverance of Christ. Now all of that's included in this table. Because what took place and and what the the cup and, and the bread represents is that they hung Jesus who was God. God, He came in flesh and bones. He was the God-man, right? And so we see the deity, even though while He was on the cross and He was battered and bruised and He was dying a torturous death, we still see that even then His deity was never removed. He has always been, He will always be. So, picking up in verse number 14, listen to what the Word says. For so much then, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also Himself likewise took part of the same that through uh, death He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So the first thing that we're going to see, we're going to see the deity of Christ here in verse number 14. Now what does all this mean? Well, we notice here a number of things. First of all, notice he says that uh, he, uh, talking about Jesus, that he was God in the flesh. He is all man. He was all God. Do we believe that? Of course we believe that. And, and so we see the deity even in, the, in this horrible picture. But notice what all this include. First of all, understand where he had to come from. The Bible helps us to understand that it, while he was in heaven, because he came from heaven down to earth, right? And, and so he left his robe of righteousness. He left his robe of glory. Isaiah chapter 6 paints a, a wonderful picture. Remember, oh, as I says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the splendor and the glory filled the room. My dear friend, Jesus uh, left heaven. He took off the, his robes of righteousness and then he put on swaddling clothes and was laying in the manger. That's exactly what he did for us. Why did he do that? He did that because he was the only one that could defeat death. He's the only one that can defeat death. And so when Jesus died... He destroyed death. Now we understand as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, because of His death, He destroyed death. And so now we have life and we have life for all eternity. But we only could got that because of the death. And the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And sometimes we are getting callous towards that. Sometimes we kind of have heard it so many times that it really doesn't hammer in our minds 
and doesn't arrest our hearts to exactly what took place there on Calvary. We're talking about deity. We're talking about Him stepping out of heavenly places and coming to this sin-cursed earth and dying a death that was reserved for you and me. But He says, I'm the only one that can defeat death. And so when Jesus died, He defeated death. And that's the reason why the psalmist tells us in Psalms 23, verse number 4, he says it this way, Yea, though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tonight, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we come to understand, and we talked about it earlier this morning as well, but death should not have any fear involved in it for us. Because it's just a shadow. I liked what the psalmist said. He said, it's a shadow. Shadows cannot hurt you. Right? He said, it's the shadow of death. And even though we, we, are, we, we have that fear, and, and the fear maybe is because, you know, I've never died before, so I really don't know what's going to take place. And you might have some anxiety about that, but my dear friend, you should never ever fear death because your death will not last for long because the Bible is quite clear that we will be resurrected. And because of His death, our death it does not have a hold on us any longer. Okay? And so, we see the deity of Christ. Jesus had to die. Now, I like what Luke chapter 11, verses 21 through 22 says. He's talking about a strong man. He says, now a strong man, he said, uh, he will uh, have the armor, talks about the armor. He says, and a strong man will be able to make sure his possessions will be secure. But a stronger man will come. And a stronger man can take everything that you have. Why? Because he's the stronger man. Now watch this. Satan is strong. And in and yourself, you're no match. Your strength will not equal his strength. He's far stronger than you. And what he would use is that he had control over you, he had dominion over you, and you could not withstand that in and on yourself. Only because of the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has allowed us that we now become the stronger man, not because of who we are, but because of who we are, or whose we are. Okay? You're not strong enough. I'm not strong enough. But Him in us makes us stronger. And so now we're able to conquer death. We're not going to die. We're just going to fall asleep. Because one day we're going to get up from that grave. We talked about it this morning. We're going to be resurrected. And even though we have died, yet we still live because He died for us. That's what this table is representing here. Jesus died. And that's represented by the bread. His body was battered and bruised for you and for me. The cup representing the blood of our precious Lord Savior because we understand, we've talked about it again this morning, we talked about the sacrifice that can take and forgive you of your sins had to have blood 
and the blood of our precious Lord Jesus, the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And that's what we've come to remember tonight. His death, His deity. But then there's deliverance. Look at verse number 15. What do we mean by deliverance? Well, what has he delivered us from? I'm glad you asked. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come wherein we speak. Now, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in the wrong verse. See, this was a test. Some, some of you failed, some of you passed. It's in 15, isn't it? I'm sorry, I was in first five. What's wrong with me? No need to answer. And he delivered them who, though through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Hmm. Well, we could camp out on that and we could talk a while from that. But we've been delivered. What have we been delivered from? We've been delivered not only a physical death, but we've been rescued and delivered from a spiritual death. Matter of fact, we could go on and on with this. We've been rescued from darkness and we've been brought into the light. Hmm. Now, that's something to shout about right there. Hey, that's what all of this is about here. Without the shedding of blood, without the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we cannot say that tonight. Okay? And so we've been delivered from that. Spurgeon said it this way. Spurgeon said that death is considered the last enemy, so let's go ahead and just keep him at the last. Now, that was true that death is an enemy, but really in proper perspective, death is not an enemy of a believer. Remember, it's a shadow. Shadows can't hurt you. Now, a lost person, better believe it. And and, and it's amazing to me uh, how we're doing everything we can to, to fight death. Oh, we got uh, medications, and, and I'm not saying, uh, hear what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, if I'm sick, I want to do everything I can to make myself well. But the bottom line is this, and I've heard many people say, matter of fact, uh, uh, a number of times been called in to where there's a family member. Uh, the family member had a testimony that they were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and, 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 and they would ask this question, I just don't understand why they keep on fighting. I just don't understand why they keep on hanging on. Good question, is it not? And that's when I always remind them, do you have anything you need to say to release them. It could very well be they're hanging on because they want to make sure things are right. A believer doesn't want to hang on. A believer wants to go home. (laughs) I just came up with that too. Is it not the truth? 
hey, we're going home. I'm not hanging. And, and I've heard many, and many of you have. And, 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 and Miss Elizabeth Patterson, her grandma just passed away. And uh, she told me this. She said, she's a lot better off. Why could she say something like that? A lost world would say, how cruel is that? Don't you love your grandmama? It's because she knows where grandmama's going to be. See, that's what sets us apart from the lost world. Death has no longer any sting. Oh, grave, where is thy? victory. Oh, I'm telling you, because we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're just a shadow when death comes knocking on our door. But what we understand, and I'm not saying we don't grieve, but what I'm saying is for those of us who are believers, we also have a little shouting. Praise God. Praise God. They're not hurting anymore. Praise God. They're not having to suffer anymore. Praise God. They're going home to be with Jesus. And all that's possible because of what this table represents. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. But then it goes on. and uh, it's, uh, this is, So that's grace. You ever heard of dying grace? Listen, I'm telling you. Jesus Christ not only makes a difference in the way you live. He makes a difference in the way you die. Dying grace. We've heard it many times over. And I've seen it exercised. I've seen where someone suffered and lingered uh, and, and there's no hope that they're ever going to have any quality of life and, and their wishes before uh, they got to that position. It says, hey, don't do anything. Don't do anything to restrict me going home. And don't put me on no machines. Don't do any, uh, rest, don't, don't do any of that because when it's time for me to go, I want to go. And I understand that. But we also see dying grace is where they've suffered. And, and, and I think of a man who was 99 years old, loved the Lord Jesus, and he had been in a comatose uh, situation for three days. I went to go visit the family, and they said that he's just laying there. For three days, he just laid there. But the day, the morning of his death, they said, we saw something that, we, that, 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 that gave us reassurance they already had assurance because of his testimony, but they said it just kind of sealed the deal. Three days, no movement whatsoever. On the morning of his death, they said he raised himself up, raised his hands up on the air, and looked up into the air, had a smile on his face, put his head back down on his bed, and he had gone to be with Jesus. That's dying grace. Only a person that knows where they're going can die like that. But dying grace is not for the living. That's a different type of grace. Our, the grace that we see in our living is grace to understand that we can make it through these battles that we're having to face. Grace, while we're living, uh, helps us to understand that the Lord Jesus is not going to leave us alone as we go through these battles we have to face. But uh, we're understanding that we keep on going. We keep on fighting. Why do we keep on fighting? Because I know that one day He's going to get me out of this mess. That's grace. Grace that I can be able to face whatever comes my way. And my dear friend, there's somebody here tonight 
You're facing it up here. You don't understand how you're going to make it through. You're there and thinking, I don't know Oh, what else is going to hit us. I'm telling you by the authority of the Word of God and by, by His words, He will not let you go by by yourself. He will give you the strength and He will help you make it through. That's grace. Wonderful grace. Amazing grace. So we got grace when we're dying. We got grace when we're living. I don't know about you, but we got a pretty good deal going on. However it comes out, His grace is sufficient. Now watch this. I, I said I was going to be short. Remember Paul when he had the thorn in the flesh? Y'all remember the story, right? Remember, it's okay to talk to the preacher. And so, the thorn in the flesh. Now, there's all type of speculations of what it is. Some say it was his eyesight. Some say it was uh, because of the uh, effects of malaria. I mean, there's all kinds, but it doesn't say. But notice here, three times he asked the Lord to remove this thorn from his side, right? All three times God said no, no, no. After the third no, that's when Paul said, your grace is sufficient. Watch this. You may have a thorn in your flesh that you've been praying for. It might be a physical thorn. It may be an emotional thorn. Whatever the case may be. It could be that He's not going to remove that. And He wants you to get to a point in your life, in your spiritual walk, to where you understand and you're okay with it. If He doesn't remove this thorn, His grace is sufficient. Wow. Wow. That's the God that we serve. And all of that we see here at the table. Now, very quickly. And so we see that we've been delivered. And, and, and because we've been delivered, we can understand that when it comes to time that we're going to go home, that we can have the grace that will get us through. I came across this story. In Pilgrim's Progress, maybe you've read it, Pilgrim's Progress, there's a, a, a character there by the name of Christian. And Christian was on his way to the celestial city. And so he's getting closer to the celestial city, and he sees a large body of water. He starts to get fretful. He starts to get, I, I just don't understand. I, 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 there's no way I can cross this body of water. Um, it's, I, I, I don't understand. Why would he put this uh, barrier here? I'm trying to get to the celestial city. He had a friend named Hopeful. And Hopeful's already in the water. And Hopeful says, everything's good. It's okay. I can touch bottom. Christian looks at him and he says, okay. And then Hopeful cries out and he says, hey, listen. He says, you can either find it deep or you'll find it shallow. It all depends on what you believe in the king. Now, what does that have to say to us? No matter what we're going through, his grace is sufficient. 
And when we believe, when the king says we're going to be okay, when the king says that even though you may die, you're still going to live, it's how you believe him at his word that you will find when those barriers come in your life, you're either going to find them deep or you're going to find them shallow. It's how you look at things. When we look at this table, the Lord Jesus said, I'll die for them. I'll be willing to die for them because I know because of my death, they're going to be able to have life and have life forevermore. And that's the reason why tonight that when we think about death, death on a cross, we don't have to be afraid of death because death is just a shadow for believers. See, we see all of that in there? All that is made possible because of the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's what we're fixing to observe when we come to His table. By the way, it's His table. And aren't you glad that He invited you to His table tonight? 1 Corinthians talks about it, and we're going to practice it. It says that be very careful how you come to this table. Do not come to this table unworthy. Well, that's me. I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy. But what he's talking about is if you have any unconfessed sin and you have not repented of, you need to get that taken care of because this is going to be a sacred ordinance. This is a holy time as we observe what our Lord Jesus did for us, we don't come haphazard. We don't come in nonchalant. We come in with the understanding, I want to make sure I'm right with God before I come to His table. And then it goes and says, there should be a time of examination. Mike is not examining anybody but Mike. You're not examining anybody else but you. And so we're going to call. Uh, it's an altar call. Not only is it a time of examination, but if you're here tonight, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You cannot partake of this table. Can't do it. Why can't I do it? Because how in the world can you remember something that you've never experienced? But you can get that taken care of tonight by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. This time of examination is also a time for you to examine your relationship with a holy God.